Hello and welcome back to What It Means to Have a Soul. If you have not yet listened to the first two episodes, that's a great place to start. In the first episode, I explain how and why I started this brief research project. The second episode dives into Plato and Socrates and the immortality of the soul. In this third and final episode, we approach my research question, how does a belief in the human soul directly and indirectly influence a person's regular interactions in life through the lens of Aristotle and Descartes and their beliefs on the soul? Starting with Aristotle, through the lens of Aristotle, the soul is perceived in an almost biological way. It's defined by its relationship to an organic body, where an organic body is defined as a body that has organs or has parts that have specific functions, such as the arms of mammals, the gills of fish, or the roots of trees. This means that not only do humans have souls, but according to Aristotle, so do animals and plants. Notice that here we already have some bright contrast between how Plato and Socrates spoke about the soul and how Aristotle conceives the soul to be. While Socrates was mainly focused on arguing the immortality of the soul, Aristotle paints this picture for us of what the soul actually is. To embellish Aristotle's description of the soul, it can be explained through imagery that, to Aristotle, the soul and the body are no more distinct from one another than the imprint of a footprint on the sand to which it is pressed into. However, this sort of picture does not indicate that Aristotle viewed the soul as a physical body or any type of physical object. In his words, Aristotle merely saw the soul as, quote, the actuality of a body that has life, end quote, where life means that uh, one has the ability to self-sustain, grow, and reproduce. Zeroing in on this idea that life means the ability to do these things, Aristotle claims that the different parts of the soul are the different inherent capabilities that it possesses to perform different operations and thus these parts are distinguished by the different operations themselves. For example, the power of growth is distinct from the power of sensation, because feeling and growing are two different activities. So again, we can see in this description of the soul's distinctive parts or abilities that Aristotle has a very biological conception of the soul. To elaborate on what I mean by this, if you take Aristotle's idea that the soul is what brings a body to life, and that the different aspects of the soul can be identified by the different abilities or powers that it possesses, this is really similar to how the human brain works, as far as we know from modern science. So if right now you disagree with what you're hearing, um, that's one thing to consider. However, it is also important to remember that Aristotle did not think of the soul as a physical object. So while his description of the soul almost alludes to the concept of a human brain with its ability to provide life and conduct different operations like the power of sensation, Aristotle is still not envisioning that there is a physical body that is or houses the soul. Moreover, Aristotle did not even believe that such an object as the human brain even existed. Instead, he thought there was this thing called the central sense, as he labels it, which unifies all sensations to be what one experiences as the perception of a single object. Now that we understand what Aristotle means by the soul, there are two particularly interesting ideas that branch off from 
what he understands to be the soul. The first thing is that he believed in both cognitive faculties, such as the senses, which again are made possible by the soul, but he also believed that there is what is called an effective faculty. This effective faculty is essentially the locus of spontaneous feeling. It's described as the part of the soul that is pretty much irrational, but can be controlled by reason. And thus, when it's under the sway of reason, it is actually the seat of moral virtues, like courage and temperance. The second intriguing idea is that there is this hierarchy of souls when it comes to living beings. Therefore, plants have a vegetative or nutritive soul, which consists of the powers of growth, nutrition, and reproduction. Animals have, in addition, the powers of perception and locomotion. So animals possess a sensitive soul, where sensitive is referring to the ability to sense. And humans are even higher up on the hierarchy than both plants and animals, because they, in addition to the nutritive and sensitive souls, have the power of reason and thought which may be called a rational soul. So now I want to transition to Descartes' view on the soul before making any speculations about what believing in the soul according to Aristotle might mean for someone. So Descartes' view of the soul is similar to Plato's in that it contains a spiritual element or makeup of sorts, but it's also similar to Aristotle's view of the soul in that the soul is related to the physical body of a living being. So, to explain it as simply as possible, without trivializing his ideas, what I believe Descartes would mean if he were to talk to you about the soul is that there exists this part of the brain called the pineal gland, and when it is moved ever so slightly, then animal spirits are caused to escape through pressurized ventricles in the brain. And so, essentially, the body's activities are determined by this flow of animal spirits. Although, from the research I've done, what exactly animal spirits are is not really specified. However, for example, the senses that we experience then, according to this idea, are caused by the ways in which the animal spirits flow through ourselves. So if the soul wants to remember something, for instance, then this will of the soul causes the pineal gland to bend or turn in different directions in the brain, causing the animal spirits to move toward different areas of the brain and body, and then a person will remember that thing that they wanted to recall. It's important to emphasize now that Descartes believed the soul was joined to the whole body. So even though the pineal gland and its movement in the brain is sort of like the focal point of the soul in this description I've just provided, Descartes thought that it would not make sense to say that the soul existed in any one part of the body more than a different part. Moreover, it would also then not make sense to say that the soul existed in a greater or more significant way in one region of the body than in another region, as though it existed to a greater extent in one's brain because of the pineal gland than it did in the toes. This is essentially Descartes' main picture of what the soul is. Okay, so as with Aristotle, there are related ideas to this main picture of the soul, which are pretty intriguing. One of those is, for instance, that Descartes did not regard the soul as the principle of life, but rather as the principle of thought. 
And this is intriguing because of what we just discussed about how he saw the soul as present uniformly throughout the body. But this is really more of an aside. The main idea is that the soul is what brings rise to all that a person experiences, such as sense and thought, in that the soul wills things to happen, like recollection of ideas for a person, and provides the sensations of uh, tickling, itching, burning, whatever other sensations that a person can have. So as we did with Plato and Socrates, just sort of letting all of this information about Descartes and Aristotle and their perception of the human soul really sink in, I personally am really attempting to empathize with these views, no matter how unreasonable or simply false some of them may seem as someone who comes from a background of science. Like, it's really quite difficult to especially empathize with Descartes and this idea around the pineal gland, because we've now discovered in science that this gland produces melatonin, which is what helps regulate a person's sleep cycle. And it's quite difficult to empathize with Aristotle's views because he essentially is doing his best to describe an immaterial thing that brings rise to everything that we now understand is caused by the human brain, yet he did not believe in the brain. So in order to really empathize with these views, I have to basically abstract them into what I would say are their essence or overarching concept that someone could carry with them as an unconscious influence in their life. Or conscious. And doing so, I actually think that Descartes and Aristotle's views on the soul can be abstracted um, together so that we have this following overarching idea. If you view the soul through the lens of Descartes or Aristotle, it's my best informed guess that you see the soul as completely intertwined with the body as this causal factor for everything you sense or perceive and think. In this way, the soul has a lot of agency over who you are. It would make sense then to see one's personality as being caused by the soul. What this leads me to think of is how there are many people I've come across in life who feel that there are certain parts of themselves that are just intrinsic and unchanging. And if you've ever heard anyone say something like, that's just who I am, then that's what I'm referring to. One thing I've noticed is that when people make this claim or attribute their behavior to just being how they are, being who they are, is it allows for them to be this really small, pretty much zero chance that they will change their behavior. On the other hand, there are people who believe that all parts of themselves are changeable. So then I'm led to wonder whether the people who believed the thoughts of Aristotle and Descartes on the soul felt similarly to what I'm proposing here. Did people who believed in these philosophers' ideas see certain aspects of themselves, um, such as their personality or behavioral, pat behavioral patterns, as attributed to the soul? And if so, did they think that they could change these things if they wanted? Or is it all just predetermined and completely out of their control? If parts of a person are believed to be predetermined and uncontrollable and unchangeable just by the definition of the soul, then I would be tempted to think that this would influence someone in such a way that they lack motivation to change in terms of personality, if otherwise possible, or behavior, if otherwise possible. Again, in all of my speculations, I'm 
merely trying to see how my interpretation of these philosophers' beliefs might lead me to function. We can't actually know to what uh, degree this would actually be true for people, uh, or if it's true at all, for people who share similar beliefs about the soul, unless we were to simply ask them. But this is my best guess at uh, how sharing a similar view on the soul as Descartes or Aristotle might uh, influence a person in a large or small way, depending on how you want to think about it. So this concludes my project. It has been absolutely fascinating to learn, even at really a surface level, about how three Western philosophers thought of the soul, and to take these ideas a step further by trying to empathize with them and see what kind of influence they might produce for me or maybe others. I've tried to phrase all of my thoughts such that you can follow them, but also such that you can take them with a grain of salt, because I believe that whenever anyone speculates, for example, when I speculate, those speculations are stemming from both my knowledge on something, which in this case was the knowledge that I gathered from the research that I completed, but also from my personal experiences in life. Therefore, this project has no real concrete conclusions, but has been an incredible journey of developing more knowledge and exercising empathy just to see what I could speculate. So if you take anything away from this podcast, I hope it is that there are so many ideas out there, such as believing in the soul, that possibly hold some influence over us in our conscious or unconscious minds as we go about our daily lives. And it can be pretty fun to play around with these ideas in an informed but still ultimately speculative way. Thanks for listening.